0: I've lived a thousand lives. I've a thousand souls. i another role.
1: This is the Happy Jacks RPG Podcast, a roundtable discussion that's a mix of friendship, humor, unbridled enthusiasm, and tabletop RPG topics sent in from around the world. Hi, happy to see you all. Thank you for joining us. This is season 32, episode, I think, 16 of the Happy Jacks RPG podcast. My name's Kimmy.
2: Oh, I'm Jason.
3: My name's Bill. I'm Kadabe. And this is
1: our live studio audience.
2: Yay!
1: Yay! Woo. All right. <laughs> We're here live at Gateway 2023. And as always, we are going to start the podcast with a state of the con update from. Eric, who runs all things. Be careful. Oh, there's a cord that we couldn't find the tape to tape down. So don't <laughs> fall or hurt yourself
4: or the camera. Okay.
3: State of the con. Go <laughs> State oh. of the con. <laughs> yeah, hold it like this.
4: State of the con. Anyway. Sorry. Okay. I got it oh, in the right direction even. Take one step back. Um, so one step back. thank you for coming for Gate to uh, Gateway 2023. This... Well, we're going to probably break 2,000 easy this show. This will be the largest show post-pandemic we've run, period.
0: Yay! No question. There. Oh.
4: I don't know where it's going to end up, but I'm guessing around 2,100-ish. So that's that's roughly where we're at. So, yeah, the parking held out today for at least a yeah. little while. Well, till about 11. But hey, you can't have everything. Where would you park it anyway? That's all I got. (laughs) So thank you very much. See you all later.
1: Thank you, Eric.
2: (coughs) If you don't show up till 11, you get what you get. Yeah, I I agree. (laughs) The parking goes up to 11. That's all you can ask for. That's it.
1: (laughs) All right. So if this is your first time tuning into a convention show, they're a little wild. Don't maybe have this be the first episode of our show you ever listen to. Maybe skip to one that's recorded in our nice studio that has soundproofing. This is a somewhat drunken kind of recap of what we've been doing during the con. We talk to people about the games they played, the games they have run, the games they have designed, and just random people who walk in who want to talk. So that happens a lot too. So we're going to start with, let's start on Friday. Did anybody run or play games on Friday evening? What's not around today? <laughs> hey, that was I didn't plan that.
3: Why, Kimmy? What's that around your neck?
2: Thank
1: you. This is my any.
2: <laughs> uh, sorry, sorry. What color is it? It's, you. A, it's gold. Gold any? Yeah. My
1: it's Enny. a gold any. Um, yes, because I was not actually at at Ga- yeah. a game X, right? Gen, Gen con. No, Gen, oh, con. Gen con. I'm sorry. I'm a little flustered <laughs> now. I'm a little embarrassed. <laughs> Whatever. I was not at Gen con to receive my award. So luckily, I quickly messaged my friend Brian, who was there. He's like. <laughs> Pick up, pick up my medal, please, please. <laughs> and I haven't seen Brian till the con today or yesterday. So I am now wearing my any, which I just got to meet, and Dave wore before me. <laughs>
2: <What>? <laughs>
1: he very upset. he,
2: he Dave, ar- it Dave
1: arrived at the con slightly before me, and I got pictures on my phone of Dave holding my any before I got to hold it. <laughs> yeah, he's I will not forgive. Okay. <laughs> All right, uh, not, no Friday then? All right, let's move on to Saturday. Anybody Friday? Play anything? Run anything? I played
4: the cool game, but hopefully the designer will
1: show up. Okay, well, why don't, you, why don't you come talk about it? And then if he comes in, we can talk about it from a design standpoint. So why don't you come stand right here? Hi, what's your name? You've been here before. I know, but tell us who you make you famous. Do you have um, an N.E.? No, okay, yeah. no. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, I No. Wow. I, have, I have no awards. None. <laughs> none whatsoever. I barely have a diploma. I mean, come on. <laughs> Hi, I'm Kurt. Yes, that Kurt, not the other one. I played in a cool game Friday afternoon called Fifth Conspiracy. And we're really hoping that the designer comes later. He's currently running a session until eight o'clock. It is a, how do I put this? It is an urban urban fantasy, political intrigue kind of game. Sort of maybe think a little bit of Game of Thrones, a little bit of Mafia Dons dealing with one another. It was a fascinating, very light system, and I would rather actually him talk about it when he gets here. Okay, well, why
1: don't you talk about your experience?
4: Tell yeah. us about your character. Yeah. <laughs> so the, there were pre-gen characters. I was playing a mafia fixer of the Tuatha de Danan. I'm probably mispronouncing that. I'm sorry. And it sounded great. It was Elvish, yeah. right?
5: Yeah. <laughs> well,
1: like I don't think anybody actually knows how it's pronounced because it's so such ancient Druidic law like, lore.
2: Yeah, it's, right, but it's I, spoken today, in fact.
1: It, no, I, no, no. But like their actual practice and stuff is so old that we don't even know what their actual names were. So yeah.
4: the Druids of Stonehenge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, so we go to a garden party in at the penthouse level of the tallest building in San Diego. We get out of the elevator and it's Mount Olympus. And so, you know, we'd go out there and, and there's chariot races going around in the sky and, you know, there's Norse gods competing against Irish gods versus Indian gods and Greek gods and, and it's kind of crazy. And then the count who was the host of this thing, his daughter is going to compete against a Norse war god in a chariot race. What could possibly go wrong? And then her older sister convinces her not to and takes her place. And goes off on the race. And the chariot explodes. Oh. And so our job is to figure out what the fuck just happened. (laughs) So I'm working for one of the rival families. I don't necessarily want them to figure out what happened. I just like chaos here. (laughs) So I was like, oh, I'll just play both sides against the middle. It'll be fine. That was a lot of fun. Yeah,
1: what was like, uh, can you explain the mechanics a little bit? Like, what did you roll? What did you
4: do? So you have basically four stats and then various identities because nobody is any one thing. So like I had identities as a mafia fixer, as a fae sorcerer and as a, a financier. So I could, I had dice that go on, on any of those. And then you have like four basic stats and dice values D four D six D eight, and so you would you'd pick a di- an identity and a stat, roll both of those dice, and whichever is better is what you're going for.
2: A uh, quick um, clarification: it yeah. sounded like for a second that you said financier, which <laughs> financier, which is my impression
4: of ancient
2: phase idea of how finance works. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I will dole out your fun. <laughs> I will loan you one fun.
4: <laughs> I wish I had thought of that. <laughs> when you have all the money in the world, it's experiential gifts only, please. <laughs> yeah, it kind of reminded me of some of the political intrigue aspects of Vampire, which I'm obviously very familiar with. And really, how did you get in on that program? That little, <laughs> that little indie game. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. No. It was just. And when he gets here, there is a, he has a great mechanic for when action actually happens that makes it feel like action, that it actually brings the stakes and the, the immediacy of it so that it's not just roll for initiative, I go my turn, wait 15 minutes, my turn comes around. So he handed out uh, little whiteboards, and it's like, okay, here's a 30-second timer. Your, everybody writes what their immediate goal is for this one round and what stats they're using to apply to that if you don't get it written down in thirty seconds, you're going to get a disadvantage on the roll and then resolve but the the immediacy of it the timer that like the beat the clock aspect was like because he said that the part of the issue of when in in many systems of the when is the least action-packed aspect of the game, it's when the action starts. But this really drove home the raised blood pressure aspect of combat. So that was actually a really cool thing. I don't know if you can... If you have trouble writing, it might be a big problem, but I could barely read what he wrote, so uh, I just sort of took his word for it.
5: (laughs) Awesome. Cool. And one one more time, what was that called? Because I've been drinking.
4: It's called
3: Fifth Conspiracy. Fifth Conspiracy. Yeah. Thank
1: you. Awesome. And uh, wait, don't go get. Come back. Did you... So was this uh, like... Did an you
3: literally ad- just hurt yourself stepping no. backwards?
1: <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no. He's, no, I hurt, hurt myself right earlier, earlier Dave. Oh,
3: all right. Oh, all right. Yes. Uh, <laughs> just checking because that was...
1: <laughs> so was this like a an adventure like that? He Like, is the conspiracy always the same? Like, is it that why it's called Fifth Conspiracy or... Does it like an adventure that changes every time? Is it based on what you put into the game? Like, do you get help to come up with all that stuff at the beginning?
4: Yeah. No, he did have a, he had a premise document at the beginning that described, okay, here's the, a one page synopsis of what is likely to happen here, what is likely to happen in this adventure. And it also spelled out uh, lines and veils for that. So we all contributed to that and using the the safety tools that we all know and love. And also a, a an understanding of what tone we were going for. I think the, the name Fifth Conspiracy comes from the various factions that exist in the setting. Because one of the stats I had on there was what conspiracy I was a part of. So I think more like Fifth Column kind of thing. So, yeah. That's, I think that's where the name came from.
1: That makes sense. Awesome. Thank you. Okay, now Indeed. you can know, get
4: I'm done. <laughs> all right. Oh, wait, Kurt. No, I'm, no, no, I'm, no, no, I'm no. kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> all <laughs> right. Anytime you all ask me to talk more.
2: You got to wait until he sits down, Then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, is. yeah.
1: All right. Other Saturday morning stuff. That people ran or played in or did things. Oh, I for. did
2: something Saturday morning. Yeah, well, oh.
3: Everybody here did a Saturday
2: yeah, morning. Thing. Yeah, well, I
1: know, but I'm yeah. I'm asking you to reach out so I crowd. pick somebody first. Oh uh, Jason okay. spoke up first. I heard his voice, so you get to go next.
2: Oh yay. I was oh, the loudest. Hello.
1: Hi,
2: I'm Jason. I Okay, wait. Oh, yes. Hold on. Yep.
1: So Hold fifth in. conspiracy, come here.
2: Fifth conspiracy, get up
1: here. We just talked about your game just a little bit. So, come right up here. You can put down your backpacks first. That's all good. Get comfortable. You can stand or sit, whichever you feel more... Can you see us if we sit?
2: Mm. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, uh, scoot in a little. I'll move my drink. Get friendly.
1: So, hi. What's your name and what makes you famous? Yeah, I'm uh,
6: Stephen Kunt, and I'm a game designer and a writer. Probably the uh, place people most likely have heard of me is I'm the was the lead designer for the Roll20 virtual tabletop. Hell yeah. Nice.
7: So what you're
1: saying is you're actually famous. You, I'm sorry. Usually I ask that and nobody has an answer so that was unexpected. Well done. Hi. Nice to meet you. You're cool.
3: See if he's got an any, Kimmy. <laughs> oh!
5: and do the mic
0: drop. Oh, yeah. <laughs> please
1: don't drop the
3: mic. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have that much money. Don't drop the microphone,
7: please. Uh, hi, my name's Michael Para. I'm the producer for uh, Fifth Conspiracy. I'm just helping my longtime friend with this project on the content creator social media end. I'm a political consultant. I've worked for a lot of political parties, so I take that. And yeah, I didn't get any cool role-playing awards like he has, so...
0: <laughs>
7: he really can share he could he could share maybe we can get, I'm,
8: I'm selfish he's selfish he's selfish <laughs> so
1: yeah wow okay you have really great answers to my one silly question thank you um, alright so Kurt was just telling us about like the modern fantasy game Fifth Conspiracy that's the name I got it correct right. okay perfect so he was talking about from a standpoint specifically the combat which sounds really interesting how there's like 30-second timer, people have to write down their action in that 30 seconds and how that added some really cool urgency to the combat. How did you come up with that? And like, what problem were you trying to design to solve and improve?
6: Yeah, so I, when I had started designing Roll20, one of the things we did was an LFG, it it blew up, it became incredibly popular. So I started playing with a whole bunch of people I started playing with a whole bunch of people that I've never played before. But up to that moment, I had spent the last 20 years gaming with the same 15 people on and off. And now I was playing with hundreds of people, different types of games that I had normally played. And one of the things that I noticed is probably north, 50% of those games failed within the first few sessions. Some didn't even make it past the first session. And I saw a lot of the same problems over and over again. And so that kind of inspired me to want to come up with tools to solve this problem. I thought I was going to engineer them into the virtual tabletop and almost all of them weren't mechanical tools. They were almost always social problems that I ended up with. So my tools ended up being kind of social constructions and I wanted to get those out into the world. I thought that they'd help people. And it turns out that most people aren't interested in reading scholarly articles on the art of tabletop (laughs) storytelling. So I packaged them into Fifth Conspiracy, into this game that I'm trying to get out there. And I think probably the flashiest one is the one that Kurt was talking about. And that is, I think, uh, this is a strong opinion, and I'm ready for people to disagree with me, that the least action-packed part of most tabletop role-playing games is the action. You sit down, you roll initiative, wait 15 minutes, check out on your phone, scroll social media. Oh, it's my turn? I need to, okay, what's the board? And now I'm going to very rationally find the perfect place to move my figurine. How many goblins can I get in my fireball if I drop it here? It's about as emotionally disconnected from the experience that your character's having that you will have the entire time that you're playing. How do you change that? The beginning of that idea came from, again, my time at Roll20, this kind of flagship thing <laughs> that we, we did was dynamic lighting, right? So you only see what your token, what your figurine can see. And lots of people loved it. And some people hated it. (laughs) Why? Because it made them anxious. They lost the perfect knowledge, the perfect information that they usually had when they were looking over the D&D board. I can hear my friend is getting murdered in the next room by the troll. My fight's going okay, but do I need to like abandon my fight to go help my friend? I can't hear his hit points. I don't. I can't do the math in my head. I've lost all of this information. So I'm like, well, anxiety. I like anxiety. If that's what I'm going for, I want you to feel anxious. But I also want it to be fast. And I also want it to like, I hate the waiting, right? So how do I keep people from mentally checking out? And so the final idea kind of came together is this idea of, well, let's, streamline everything and make it happen at exactly the same moment? Is that possible? How much can I make that happen? And so the way the system works is I start a 30 second timer. Everyone can see the number counting down and you have 30 seconds to come up with your character's goal for the scene, not how they do it, not what they do, what does your character want to accomplish in the next 30 seconds? I want to hurt Kurt. He, uh, I want to borrow the door so nobody can escape. I want to steal the idol, right? So you come up with your goal. You come up with the basic approach for how your character is going to do it. Everybody rolls at the same time. The alarm goes off. 30 seconds, everyone flips over their board. So I've had amazing, amazing stories, action scenes that have happened where that would have never happened in D&D. Because in D and D, your stupid friend runs into the fight. You're not going to abandon him. But I've had situations where everyone thought they were on the same page. Two guys run. One guy goes for the bad guy, and now they have to have a much harder conversation of like, "Well, we're safely to the door. Do we turn back for him or not?" Right? And (laughs) and it's fast. It's incredibly fast. I've had a car chase slash gunfight go from a parking garage to uh, the city street, onto the freeway before a car exploded and flipped over. It was probably 25, 30 rounds of action and it was done in under 30, 40 minutes. Just an incredible range of like things that can happen. And I have my players frantic. They're like scraping off their whiteboard, you know, trying to get their, their pen cap off, writing what the next thing that they're gonna do because you get penalized if you don't get your stuff written down in time. So you don't have time to think and strategize. You don't have time or ability to communicate, except for this is my turn. I've got the, this one second to kind of talk. Guys, come back. You know, like you get your your chance to yell. So everybody rolls. And the person who rolled the worst gets the booby prize of starting the narration because they almost for sure don't get what they want. So if it was, I want the idol, he wants the idol. And I rolled two ones. So I say, well, I run up the stairs and I pick up the idol. And then Mike,
7: I have to pass it over to Michael. And I trip him. And as the idol's falling, <laughs> I take it. <laughs>
6: so that's the essence of where that came from. Was It was my desire to inject the feeling of action into my stories. I wanted, if you're watching a Fast and the Furious movie and cars are crashing into each other, your heart should be beating. Even when I'm reading a novel and it gets exciting, I get invested in it. And I've never been so checked out as when telling my stories at the table. And I thought I can come up with a tool that can change that.
1: He was describing, yeah, this is excellent. He was describing a story where it was like a mix of like fae and old gods and different cultures and stuff like that. Is that like the baked in setting that you've created for it? Is it so is it a something where people can put their own stories on top of it? Or Because I personally love like modern fantasy type stories. Um, So tell me a little bit about that part of it.
6: Yeah, urban fantasy is my jam for sure. Vampire Diaries, Dresden Files, Harry Potter. And I love Neil Gaiman and I loved American Gods. And I was kind of reacting to maybe some political truths that we've been experiencing over the last few years. And I came up with this idea and it really kind of came together during the lockdown where I had a lot of time to write and not a lot of time to do anything else of the power of ideas and how much we believe in those ideas kind of gives them a power, whether they're true or not. So I decided what would be a fun take on that idea was what if everything people believed in was real because people believe in it, right?
4: <laughs> Sound familiar, Jason?
6: <laughs> and the more they believe in it, the more powerful it becomes. So that that's true, was true in American Gods. But what if it wasn't just gods? What if it was anything people believed in? I'm a big fan of aliens and conspiracy theories too, right? I, I think they're incredibly enjoyable. And not for the same reasons people actually believe them think, think so, but because they're so entertaining. I'm like, well, what if gray aliens and fairies and vampires were all competing with each other? Maybe the reason there were so many vampire movies in the 2000s is because they took over Hollywood, you know? Why does traffic suck so much in Southern California? Well, because clearly the Civil Engineers Union isn't interested in making an effective transportation system. They're trying to maximize the rage generated to feed to their wraith master, right? And so that's the the kernel of where the idea came from. And then just my general love of I love to inject everything I possibly can into my settings. And this allowed me to do it. So anything that people think
1: about could
6: become a living thinking thing.
1: That's amazing. So you're this is a, a game that you how far along in the design process are you? Like where can people go for more information about it? That 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 stuff.
6: Yeah, so it's written. I've been playtesting it for quite a while now. And so what I started I started off fairly small. I ran it for people. I started getting feedback. I ran it for more people. And then it really started picking up momentum when I started running it at cons. And so I made a Discord community and people just started joining and other people wanted to run the game. And so I have a Discord community for Fifth Conspiracy you can find it from our website, aedpublishing.com, which I may or may not have made on the flight here.
3: Uh, Yeah! Uh,
6: So forgive how incredibly bare bones that website is. At the moment, I had $7 internet. But there is a link to both join either the mailing list to hear about when the Kickstarter is going to happen Or join us on the community if you're interested in playing it today. The Kickstarter will be happening early next year. Our goal is March 5th to have uh, the launch for our Kickstarter. It's effectively done. And now I'm doing the 200 jobs that I'm having to learn to start a print publishing company (laughs) that I've always been on the writing side and not on the (laughs) publishing side. So I'm figuring about warehousing and distribution and set up an llc and writing kickstarter copy so all of those kinds of things is what i'm going through the game itself is 95% done and i'm in the stage of where writers will never stop fiddling with something until you mm. make me stop fiddling with it because Relatable. it's got got to go into print <laughs> so
3: and that's my, my job, job. <laughs> so to my make board him board.
6: stop fiddling with it. the you'll be done on hard. I will be done on March 4th. No, because yep. then I get I get to take the Kickstarter money, and then I actually have to eventually send it to a a printer, which will happen after that date. So I will fiddle up to the very last moment. But I actually really think it's a really good game right now today. And if you want to play it, just let me know.
1: That's awesome. Uh, let's get drinks, and I can talk to you about logistics. I just had to figure all that out like during the pandemic, so I'm really good at it now.
6: <laughs> I would love any advice you you can give because. That's been the game design stuff. I love that. The writing, I'm good at the making the tools. That's what my passion is. It's it's all of the work that goes into making your dream a reality that is exhausting.
1: Oh, oh yeah, 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 for sure. Like, okay, let's see. How much does it cost to ship everything from Southern California versus how much it costs to ship it from Hong Kong? Because then there's no tariffs if you ship it from Hong Kong. There's a lot of reading involved in that. So yes, we'll talk. That's amazing. Is there any other stuff you want to share about the game? It sounds like you had a lot of mechanics besides the combat, that are kind of social engineered. Happy to have you share about those things if you want to do that.
6: Yeah, so I think I have two other tools in there that I think are pretty innovative, if I'm going to toot my own horn, that I I really believe that they will help people. So I, I said earlier that my games that I either played in or I ran, flip a coin and it's dead by the third session. And I noticed that there was basically... A pattern to the reasons that happened over and over and over again, and it's because someone, whether they know it or not, has rejected the premise of the game that we're playing. And I actually think that that's the secret sauce of D and D. Why D and D was successful in the first place and why it continues to be so successful today is because adventure stories, which is what D and D is, is really easy for people to wrap their minds around. We're a group of people. We leave the safety of civilization. We go into the dangerous unknown, the dungeon, whether that's a forest with giant spiders or the mines of Moria, Mount Doom. We go, we deal with the evil, we fight it, and we return with that treasure. Sometimes that's loot. Sometimes that's destroying the one ring. People understand that story. Even then though, and we've all had this player, they make Farmer John, whose greatest aspiration in life is to make sure their turnips make it to harvest this season. You want me to go into what? A cobalt cave? I think not. (laughs) That sounds entirely too dangerous. I would much prefer to stay on my farm. They've rejected the premise of what D&D is about. Whether they knew that they were supposed to be buying into it, or they're just an a-hole, either one of two things happens. That player gets completely left out of the story and is miserable. Or we keep panning back to Farmer John every few scenes to see how the turnips are going and everyone else sits there bored. Either way, the energy of the game has been hurt. Maybe that player leaves. That maybe destroys the game, right? And then you take it to like a different setting that is even more fragile than the incredibly robust adventure story. Say, we're going to go play Call of Cthulhu. We're going to do Eldritch Horror, right? And you have the D&D player make Van Helsing the vampire slayer, right? (laughs) He's about to have a terrible time and probably never want to play that game again. So people reject the premise all the time. Sometimes uh, horror makes me uncomfortable. So I make a super funny, silly character and destroy the mood for everyone else, right? So how do you solve that problem? And I thought about that. I, I beat my head against my keyboard. I tried to solve that problem. And then I had other problems that were equally destroyed games, but for what seemed to me like different reasons, but ended up being basically the same reason, which is you sit down with the game master and he's so excited to tell you about this amazing story. And he's brought you in, he's he's sold you on the idea. And you sit down to play and you realize he has the entire story figured out. Mm. And he is not even remotely interested in you doing anything but being his audience. So if you could please keep, if you could keep, please keep your hands and feet inside the theme park ride for the remainder of our four hours.
8: look, yes. Why do I feel attacked? Rollercoaster. Sorry, it's
6: a thing. And one of two things happens: the players immediately take a ninety-degree turn, and either that this frustrated movie director, either they are so upset because the story is not what they wanted it to be that they lose all motivation for running the game and it stops happening. Or he does his damnedest to force those players back into their rides and back into their seatbelts that the players have no interest in being part of that story anymore. Game dies, right? And probably more than anything else, the thing that kills games is when you say, we're playing tabletop. That's great. I love tabletop. Let's play some Settlers of Catan, right? And they don't take it very seriously because whether I had four players or I had five players does not substantively affect my Monopoly game, right? But it wrecks my story. I'm down one of my main actors. You know, they're not here. And so, this idea of like, well, what's a commitment to us telling a story together? What does that look like? Well, if I let you know beforehand, we're going to play 12 episodes and it's going to be on Friday nights. We're going to start at six. Everyone's going to breathe. $5 $5 for beer and pizza money, right? We're playing the Kurtz. And then the premise rejections leap out. I can't play every Friday. Sometimes I get called into work. You wouldn't have known that until 20 minutes before the game if you don't talk about it beforehand. And so I started writing all of these things down. What's the premise for the game? And I found it solved probably my longest problem I've ever had with tabletop. My frustration that there only seemed to be two types of games out there. There was a DD d module. Here's the story. It's literally written to be completely 100% agnostic to the characters that play in it. It fundamentally is not about the characters. There's a plot. That is what you have. And then over the last 15 years, we have some really great, character narrative-driven games that are trying to react to that. But in my opinion, they just take the problem and they flip it 180 degrees. We're playing Apocalypse World. We're playing the drama system. Game Master come up with zero plot. The drama of the game is in the complicated, interconnected relationships that these people have. But I'm like, I, pedantic Steve Hat, think that tabletop role-playing game is a sophisticated, a storytelling medium as television or movies or stage plays or novels. What of the best stories you've ever heard did the characters and the story not point in the same direction, harmonizing with each other the whole way, right? Star Wars is objectively about a civil war, right? That's the plot, right? About a rebellion. But we're on the ride For Luke Skywalker trying to discover his identity. Do I model my my life, the person I'm gonna be off of my hero dad, who is a pilot, right? Do I model myself after my teacher, my new teacher, who wants to show me the path my dad walked? Oh, turns out dad's space Hitler. That complicates it. What am I gonna choose? So you have the background of this character finding their identity against. A Civil War. They harmonize with each other.
1: All right. So I'm, I'm going to pick a little bit at this, and I'm not, not disagreeing with you, no. but the difference, and I've been thinking about this quite a lot because I'm designing a game right now that's based on like mediums similar to Star Wars. It's hard. You have to think about the whole process of creating Star Wars when you're thinking of, of playing an RPG, too, because uh, Star Wars was filmed. It was written sort of badly. Filmed sort of badly. Then also, but then had an incredible editor who like edited that first A New Hope and she made it like awesome and incredible and like gave it a strong foundation to launch off. Very true. But got no no credit. I still disagree with
3: film badly.
1: Well, no, if you look at photographically, no, no. If you look at all the footage though, like she took all the best pieces. Well, I mean,
5: that's. it's
1: a metaphor and it's a nerdy metaphor we're gonna live in it (laughs) right but I mean because like that is the difference between the medium of like film and television versus RPGs so RPGs are kind of like all of that before it was edited so you get all the pieces you get the good pieces you get the bad pieces you get the slightly out of focus shots all those things so do you think do you think it's a realistic goal to, at the table, create something as seamless as the final product of Star Wars? That's
6: the question I was asking myself.
1: Okay. Right? Why are we 100% plot? Why
6: are we 100% character? Can we get to that middle place? Can we not just entertain? Can we make art? Is that something that this medium is capable of doing? And in my soul, I'm like a resounding yes. What? How do we get there? How do we, if not like... Feature film, it's been edited, right? How do we, when we're telling the story together, at least have all the elements there before the editor would have gotten there? How do we get all the raw footage so if somebody took it and cut it up later, we would have Star Wars, right? How do we get to that quality of a story together? And I found out that this premise document does that. Because when you have the plot already figured out before the characters are made, you failed. When you have the characters made without any idea of what the story is going to be about, they are all pointing in different directions. And that has almost no legs at all. You're going to get a couple of soap opera episodes into it and we're going to move on to something else. How do you solve that problem? And I found that the creative constraints and coming up with this idea of an inciting incident, we're in a yuppie beach town in Northern California with $10 million homes, right? That's our setting. And a dead body washes up on the beach right? And our genre is, we're mystery and intrigue. We're dealing with the small town politics of this town. And we're dealing with the fact that there's a dead body. I have no idea who's dead. I don't know who killed them. I don't know why they're on that beach. I won't know that until you guys make your characters. And so you sit down and have to make characters inside that box that the premise document creates for those creative constraints. And one of the stats on your character sheet for Fifth Conspiracy is called your need. And you have to come up with a need that ties you to the inciting incident. And then once I have a group of players who are, I'm a detective, I'm investigating the murder. Well, the person who washed up on the beach is my partner. I'm devastated. Well, they were your romantic partner, but they were my business partner. And I also was last seen arguing with them the night before they died, right? So everyone comes up with needs that ties them to the story, and then I can come up with the who done it after I know these characters. I know I can make it about them. So the player who made the jogger that found the dead body, right? And is not supposed to have been on that beach at that time, right? Well, maybe their character's deepest need was the fact that they peaked in college, right? They were an athlete and got injured. And now they work at a bar. Well, I'm going to make sure that that body has weird occult symbols drawn around it in the sand when he finds it. And they're just going to happen to match the fraternity from his college. So I'm going to make that character, the murder mystery of the A plot and his personal journey of his B plot of finding self-worth are going to tie intimately together. And so I can make the murder mystery about the characters. I think that solves the problem.
1: Right, tell us the website again. AEDpublishing.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. That was, sounds fascinating and I'm super excited about it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I
6: am. I'm running one more game tomorrow at two o'clock. If you're interested, I'd love to see you. If you want to talk, just find me. Uh, you can message me on the Discord too and I'd, I'd love, as you can tell, I like talking about this and we'll talk about it at length.
1: So I appreciate it. Same. Woo! Thank you.
0: <laughs> Woo!
1: <laughs> Yay! Beautiful. Thank you. Cheers. Do the thing. All right. Awesome. Okay. Thoughtful Other...
5: discussion about RPGs at a con. I know. Like podcasts. We're not drunk yet, that's I'm, why. But speak, <laughs>
9: I told you you. speak
1: for <laughs> yourself. Yeah. I so far I have a I'm started.
5: I've had a lot of coffee.
1: Uh, yeah, it's coffee. <laughs> it's coffee. One any Okay. Saturday morning. Also, Jason, you were next. What did you run Saturday morning? Oh, just today.
2: I won gold any award-winning uh, game aid deck. I'm sorry. It's only one one any, so. <laughs> <laughs> per game, one for one. The It's a tarot-based card game, which if you are a fan of this show, you may know, but if this is your first time tuning in, you need to know that Kimmy made the game. It's uh, available at goldenlassogames.com. And it is totally playable as a standalone. Like you can just tell a wild story and do a premise and a bunch of characters and figure out who they are. But my favorite way to play it is to bolt it onto the front of any, like a one shot or a campaign or anything like that. But today we played just a wild, like no campaign, no game attached to it. We're just going to play that. We spent about an hour and a half, but at the very start of it, my players I, I said okay well we need a premise right we need a premise that we can buy into and uh, that's something we have to agree on before we can answer any of these questions and we, then we need a rough idea of who your characters are that fit into this premise I liked a lot of what you had to say by the way I hope we can talk later uh,
0: yeah
2: yeah. so then somebody at the table said what if we're amoebas in a dish our world is a petri dish <laughs> And I had the improv challenge of my life. <laughs> it was actually was a that, lot of was fun. Was that
3: the germ of the idea? That yes. That put out? Yeah. Or the, okay. Just yeah, it
2: germinated from there. Right. But the players had the opportunity. They bought into this ridiculous idea and leaned into what it might mean to if your whole life is in a Petri dish in a lab and what their perspectives might be and what some of the conflicts might be and what their relationships to each other, if they hadn't already consumed each other, what those <laughs> might be. And uh, in fact, one, at least one of the players is here now and should probably have to answer for some things. <laughs>
1: Hi, what's your name and what makes you famous? I hope you don't have as good an answer as the other people.
9: Hi, I'm Prey. I'm sitting down. Wait. Yeah. I'll sit down. All right. Cool. All right. So uh, oh, yeah, I have no innings. I have a, an inny, hey, but an I an don't any have any innings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm famous for being on the backlog. So there you go. Yeah. Jason, like, we're like, all right, we're going to play this. Cause I haven't played this yet. And we have a, a new guy and I've met him, i met him before. So he was like, Hey, I want to play something unique. And I'm like, okay. Let's play word germs in a Petri dish. one one-celled animals and stuff. And he's like, that's what I'm talking about. And inside, I'm like, what the fuck? Okay. Yeah, I just did that to start the ball rolling to, like, get into cyberpunk, you know? And then Tomes is like, oh, oh, I am so going with this. And... Jason is going to love this. So he did it and they jumped on it and I'm like, Oh, okay. I'm in. It was just great. These hands rot. Yeah. (laughs) these hands. I just couldn't, I mean, we just went with it. And then like, there's an anime called cells at work where the main character is a white blood cell and he runs around and it has animal things that go around in the anatomy of the body. Yeah. So that's where I got the idea from. And then the best part was just like trying to figure out what things were, and then like the other player was like, "Oh yeah, I'm an amoeba." And it's like, "What's his name?" And he was like thinking, thinking. And he's like, "Oh, Amber." And then <laughs> I'm like, "Oh, Amber amoeba." And then we got to my guy, and I'm like, "Oh, my name's Roddy because it's a rotifer, which is a, a little thing that runs around propelling liquid into its body and squirting it out its back." And when I tried to draw it, my drawing skills suck. And it looked like a upside down penis. It, it was a yeah. it was a dick and balls. Yeah, <laughs> no mistake. Yeah. So go look up Rotifer, and it looks nothing it, like what he drew. It, yeah, but it does kind of look like a weird penis. But it was awesome. And then like we were talking about all the relationships and stuff, and we had the things that came up. And then like the the superstition was the rainy days when you know they added liquid to the petri dish and. Our little city got the liquid, so it was good and we had food, and the other cities didn't. And then the other cities weren't at war with each other. And we were like, okay, we're gonna build people. And then, like, one of the questions is you have a friend, something happened to them, there's no longer they, your friend. Oh, How did right. that happen? Well, amoeba guy, amoeba Amber, and I had my friend Tori, it's another one cell thing I can't remember the real name of. And we were all hanging out one day and Tori got a little too closer to Amber and Amber ate Tori. (laughs) And and then it turned out to be like, well, it's not really a moral thing because we don't really have morals and intelligence. So it's like, you ate Amber. Yes. Mm -hmm. And we're like, oh, okay. okay." Glad we sorted that out. This is a factually correct statement. Yeah. Yes. And so we just went with it. So it was awesome. And then we had the little silicate guy that was just a little string that had a loop on him. And that was Aju. Aju? Aju. Ajo. Ajo. Oh. And it was just fun. And then like we thought about all the superstitions and the the culture. And we had one of the people and it's like in the, one of the questions is one of your people have left and came back. Uh-huh. And who was it? And we were thinking about what it was and it turned out to be L. And she she, what went, would, what she did, went to the, not Petri- the, the, the slide. Sled. Yeah, she but, went yeah. to the slide. Oh, yeah. yeah, And then she came back, and she saw the, the Great One brought her back. Of course. <laughs> yes, the Great One brought us light. And then we were trying to figure out, well, was she good? Was she bad? We thought it was, she was a deity. And it just had all these fun things. And then there was this weird crystal growing in it. And we didn't know, oh, well, if we feed the crystal, it won't grow. Cause it was always growing a little bit and crystal and it getting closer to us. We were scared of it. So we had to feed it. Well, what we didn't know cause we can't see cause we're one celled animals and we don't have the little depth perception and angles instead of growing out, it was growing up. So it was still growing even if we weren't feeding it or so. Yeah. Cause we're <laughs> it, flatliners. you was like, Oh yeah, look, and, yeah. And if I can, I mean, I, I, a lot of this
2: came out because specifically the game we were playing, right? Well, yeah. Like, like all of this was fed question to question because of our core premise, we had each new question that came out of this deck, which is made with witchcraft, by the way. The questions that feed into each other, it made this ridiculous premise. Actually-
1: or a master's degree in education, where you just write questions a lot. <laughs> sure.
2: What did I say? Witchcraft. Yeah. Same thing. Same thing. Yeah. Same thing. yeah. So, yeah, I, I just uh, just wanted to bring it back to that. Oh yeah, it's like.
9: So well-made. You're a very nice advertisement, thank you, Jason. <laughs> I'm a fan. And, um, the fun thing was we had we had the good light. That was the light that came from below. And, <laughs> and then we had the other light, but the other light from the top brought the darkness afterwards. And things happened in the darkness. That's when the, the food got eaten and things grew. But so we had, and then of course, we had to walk across the lands and the amoeba, Trailed, he traveled farther and farther and farther from his amoeba to our contagion city. I think that, that was, yeah, it. We, we were contagious yeah. city because we were the contagious growing thing that got pulled out and then vanished and no one ever saw it again. And my rotifer is a mobile little guy. And so we are both arguing on, yes, we've been everywhere. There is no other place to go except I hit the wall. So I know that was the place I couldn't go, but he couldn't go that far because he was slow. <laughs> But he knew he'd been everywhere. So that was just
3: This is either a Dr. Seuss rhyme or a Johnny Cash song. And I'm not sure which. Why not both? Yeah, Yeah. porque no los dos.
1: So I have a question for, by the way, you can't leave it. Okay, so Decima, while you can play it as a standalone game, is meant to be like the pregame for a campaign in any system or setting. What in your brain was the system you were going
9: to play this game in? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Fifth conspiracy. No, I'm kidding. Go, Joey. I have the
8: answer.
9: Okay. Uh, you
1: theirs first and then you- best.
9: <laughs> Okay, so my, my first thought for System was, of course, Wild Talents. But my second thought was Tune. Yeah. So...
2: I was crafting a lasers and feelings hack yeah. in the back of my mind while we were playing. How was it not microscope?
9: 100% exactly. Oh. Boom. <laughs> you're dismissed. Here, here's a drop. Okay. That was awesome. <laughs> that sound you hear is everyone snapping their fingers I mean I, I would love to play this later and for another game whenever I run a campaign so <laughs> yeah I don't start a campaign without it at this point yeah I mean it's just a media award winning mm. Yes, yeah <laughs> gold, in- gold any award winning game the gold any award winning game yes accessory because <laughs> non-digital non-digital <laughs> <laughs> very specific longest category name ever
1: all right thank you that was accumulating and fantastic okay you think i'd be used to it now and i'm not like five years later or whatever it's been uh okay other saturday morning games
3: wait pick me because so i I'm, have to leave
1: okay oh, yes, That's you
3: uh why did you sit
1: on the stage if you have to leave
3: because I didn't realize I had to leave until I was... Okay, got it. Okay. Let known. Ready to go. Okay. So at 9 a.m. I ran Yuma Station Rust Rise, which is in the Yuma Station setting, made popular Woo-hoo! here on Happy Jacks RPG Network, where it takes place post the events, like immediately during the end of the events of the actual play. And we got to explore a place in travel. Yes, tra- Mongoose Traveler, second edition, um, is a system for that where we got to examine a place that actually the characters never went during the campaign, which was the planet below Yuma Station, RZ 291, colloquially known as Rust Rise. And I always, because I think one of the beautiful things about Traveler is that it has a game within a game, which is character generation. So we spent the first, uh, what I intended to be about hour to hour and 15 minutes, it ended up being an hour and 45 minutes doing character gen, but was great. Immediately, everyone has the connections. I can't believe
2: you did it in under two hours. Yeah, well,
3: I'm fast. And we did three, and then we're like, rune three. That's incredible. Right. And I got great feedback afterwards, like how to even trim that down more, but still maintain the character gem portion. And ended up with a wonderful array of characters who then went on a mission to basically try to discover why the output of uh, minerals, of rhodium, which is. On Earth, now actually used predominantly in catalytic converters to scrub toxins out. And so I posited that in the Umastation-esque universe. It's used for, it's one of the primary components of scrubbers for life support systems. And the reason that Rustrise is particularly important is that it produces about three and a half times more rhodium per annum than most planets. So it is a financial boon, which is why it's overseen by this megacorp. and. But production is down. And so these guys have come in to try to figure out why that is. The thing that was great is where we ended up with is one character was an excellent medic. One character had some Navy piloting skills. Another character was kind of a social guy. And then the fourth character who kind of like just got along to get along, but managed to stay in... I like think the, the scouts or whatever he stayed in for all three terms, but nothing really special or fantastic. Didn't have outstanding stats or skills. One of the players had all fours and a 12, by the way, because they rolled them to the table, which was unbelievable. 12 Ooh. int, everything else fours. He also had medic three by the end, which was very important to the story. But the other guy was like, can't, and he mustered out and elected never to roll on the cash table. So he's like, oh, you get there, and like, you don't have any cash, you don't have any gear, you don't have anything. He's like, I got seven ship shares when I logged out. Could I, when I mustered out, could I sell a ship share? And they're worth a mega credit, which is a million credits. And I was like, you could try to find a buyer. And he does because in the Yuma Station Cannon, there was a very shady ship salesman. That's genius. And so he, the guy offers to buy it at like basically 70 cents on the dollar, right? Because he uses it to launder money. So he's like, sure, I'll give you a, a great deal on it. So now I have a player who has 700,000 credits and the catalog in front of him. So <laughs> I'm going around the table with everybody else as he's buying stuff. And I get to him and he's, and he's never played. for like, can I get this? Can I get that? I'm like, well, step, well, twelve. yeah, you can get that. You can get that. We get to that. Everyone's describing their character. Cloth armor. You know, I've got a stunner on my hip. The other guy's like, oh yeah, I've got cloth too. The third guy's like, oh, I bought this like ceramic carapace chest because, because I, I want to make sure I don't get hurt because I'm really smart and I have no stats. This guy's going, so and he basically has like, I've got combat armor and my left arm's a cybernetic and I've got, and he's just like bot, like red I'm, like, I'm like, great. This is amazing. <laughs> the best moment to me in running it, they're on, they're on Rustrise. They're trying to get information. The players are doing fantastically, right? And just like what they've got, the information, how they're interacting. One of them, who's the medical doctor is talking with the doctor on Rustrise about this weird medical thing that's happening with tardigrades. And then, which is all Dave's conspiracy stuff come true. <laughs> and then the other three have decided to go to the bar to try to get information. First guy who's kind of the face character, makes his carousing role, talks to a table full of miners, gets great information out of them. Okay, we've ticked some stuff off. We kind of know where things might go. The second guy who's not so good, goes up, tries to carouse with the bartender, does not make his roles, doesn't make him angry so they just more talk about how yeah things have gotten things have gotten really lousy here nobody's really coming in I'm not selling as much stuff i really wish things would pick up but i just have more customers it's pretty it's gotten pretty bad down here and then the third guy who's wearing full combat armor that has been specially made so it like fuses where his gen- where his arm cybernetic arm is out walks up he says i walk up to the to the bar i turn and face the room and i say attention patrons of this bar I have very specific information that I require, and you will tell me, or there will be consequences. And I grab a metal container and crush it in my hand. I'm like, okay, and I give him a roll to make, and he, with modifiers, he would his rolls like a 14 on a 2d6 system. And I'm like, okay. So the place empties. <laughs> Uh, except for like these two guys. And one of them comes up, he's like, oh man, I'm really sorry, I didn't know what was gonna happen. I, uh, there's this thing and he's like, I don't know if you've ever heard this podcast, this goes on, but like this guy's talking about tardigrades and like, and, he, and he's describing stuff from the campaign. And as they get done, that player turns to the guys and like, oh, that's how you do it. <laughs> it's great. They leave, they complete their stuff, they get some bodies that are in cryo and one guy who's still really sick, They're wheeling him out to a a medevac shuttle that they're going to like take them off to. And of course security shows up and the guy in the security zone, he's like, oh, stay where you are. We've had reports of a heavily armed and armed. Oh shit, there he is. And so we get a firefight in, right? And as soon as he says that and the security guards pull their weapons, the other guy turns to the arm and he's like, oh, so that's how you do it, huh? (laughs) So good, right? So I will say I felt, Super fortunate to be able to, to do stuff. And after we got done, one of the players at the table actually had listened to the podcast and, and followed the show. And I said, well, you'll be excited. Now this is now all canon. And this will all be that goes between now and season 2 it's like, this all happened, and I'm going to fit it in. And they got to meet NPCs like Morrigan and like other people from the show. And they came up with just a crazy way to do stuff and like super fast. And the thing that I really appreciate Traveler as a system is they had those built-in connections because of the way they do character gen so they knew each other they knew why they had a relationship there was no let's spend the first hour and a half figuring out why should we should trust each other oh, right like why should i just like oh hey remember that time that i saved your ass on rigel 3 and they're like oh yeah absolutely and didn't you still owe me money for like oh yeah so they've all known each other but i always build connections in traveler where there's one less connection than people around the table so there was four players, but the most connections you could have is with any two people. So you could always vouch for somebody that someone didn't know. So you have that, oh, no, 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 like this, he's great. He's super cool, he's fine. Like, you know, we're world, world friends, you can trust him. Which is, yeah, I mean, well, I mean, not David Wow. But, uh, assume a, like, you know, mythical character. Wow. <laughs> Touch one any and you're just on the shit list forever. <laughs> Get me. That's right. <laughs> so it was great i had a great time running it i wish any of the players were here because there was great feedback especially from uh, alex who had listened to the to the show but it was really nice to be able to have a setting and then that to reference people to with a system that automatically connects them to incite wonderful play cool that's it yay
1: Woo. all right that sounds awesome. Thank you for uh, continuing that story, and we're very excited about season two of the AP mm-hmm. coming mm-hmm. soon or in this year. And we're going to try, gonna try yes. a crazy
3: thing. Okay. We're going to try the crazy thing we talked about. Oh, season yeah. Two. It's, it's, it's uh, going to be crazy.
1: A challenge for me. <laughs> uh, it'll be great. It'll be fine. We'll make it
3: work. We'll make it work. Okay, yeah. I got to go. I okay. Go. Bye. Keep watching. Yeah. Someone else All right. On.
1: Saturday hey. morning. Saturday morning. Saturday morning. Saturday. Saturday mo- okay. Dave. No.
0: Nope. He doesn't want
5: to talk about me to talk about her game. <laughs> oh, fair enough. All right. It's very fine. good. Yep. So, Saturday morning, I ran the very first public facing playtest of my Tales from the Loop retirement community hack. Um, Horny Cocoon. Because. <laughs> Horny cocoon. Because. <laughs> isn't that just Cocoon? I mean, yeah. right. It is. Yeah, exactly. But it's inspired by get cocoon and batteries not included and the golden girls and just old folks having an adventure, right? Like there's so many RPGs out there about teenagers and young folks. I was like, I want to play the other end of the spectrum. Like just the angry Leonard McCoys <laughs> of the universe that still go on adventures and are just upset about it. Like, I want to know all about that. That's the world I want to see. And I'm such a huge fanboy of the year 20 engine of the... uh, Yeah, year zero, year zero numbers and drinking. It's a thing. The year zero engine from Free League and Tales from the Loop in particular. So it's kind of a natural extension how they did Tales from the Loop in the 80s with younger kids. And then things from the flood in the 90s with teenagers. So this is like the 2030s kind of a setting of those same people could be now retirees. I was very happy with how it went, even though I kind of messed up the character sheet with some formatting issues, because that's not a thing I do regularly. No, yeah, welcome so, to the family. Yeah, it's stats. A thing. The stats are holding us back. Yeah.
7: Is this going to be part three of the Tales from the Living in the Blood podcast?
5: That's what I would love to do eventually, yeah, once I get it refined enough. Yes, so the intention and this idea came to me when We had done two different shows of the same characters in that universe. I was like, now I would love to fast forward to when these folks are old, especially Jason's character, who is now faced with the fact that he looks 40 or 30 Mm. or 20 and everybody else is now 75. Spoilers, Dave. Uh, (laughs) If you haven't watched the show by now, figure it out. Yeah, that's right. But. I wanted to make that happen and I've been working on it. And then I discovered that really the only times that I'm creative are the weird times where I'm like waiting to pick up my kids from school because when they were home for a couple of years, like all of us were, I had no ability to make any creative choices or put any pen to paper, nothing. So now they're back in school. So I'm like, oh, I could dust off something and and I have moments to think about things. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we played this morning. I had a great time with a fall festival that went horribly awry. But luckily, I had Joey as one of my players, so he can talk about the game a little bit. Boy, no one said that
2: sentence before.
5: <laughs> wow! Nobody asked you, robot boy.
8: Yeah, so Dave said it was based on Golden Girls, so I was summoned. Um, <laughs> my gaydar went off and just... Yeah, it was great. I had a lot of fun. I was playing Imogene O'Connell. The divorcee, because I was feeling my, my Blanche real life as I do six days of the week, and uh, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. It, we it was a little interesting at first because our characters were so different. I was playing the divorcee; the other person was playing a very kind of former judge, very by the book, old golfer. Uh, like, how are we? How are we gonna get these characters to interact? And then the fall festival happened, and I realized, oh well, all I really want is. I want to start dating the eligible bachelor at the Shady Pines Retirement village who was going to wear the worst outfit in the history of man <laughs> to this event that I was planning. So my plan was, okay, I know this judge. Listen, how much trouble would I get into if I were to break into his place, steal this outfit so he could not wear it, and then bring it back after the event? Like, It's not really stealing if I bring it back. And apparently some plot happened with nanobites or something. I don't know. I wasn't really paying attention. (laughs) Yeah, well, like,
5: the best part was, I was like, okay. And Joey came in and talked to this new bachelor in town and was like, oh, are you coming? I hope you save a dance for me, and it'll be great. And was like, oh, it's a fall festival. I have the perfect outfit. He, at one point, volunteered as a crossing guard for a local school. (laughs) And had an incredibly, like, made-out-of-construction-worker, high-vis, orange, because it was fall, it was orange, suit that he had made, along with patent leather white shoes. <laughs> and, was
2: this and, another player? No. no Your this NPC. This was my NPC. Oh, I was like, amazing. I,
5: well, the best part was I just kept adding little details, and every time I'm watching, like, the emotional damage accrue on Joey as he's sitting there like, "What? uh, uh mm. no, don't stop it, quit it. And I'm like, yes, yes. Uh yeah, it was fun. I had a good time. Yeah. But yeah, there was a whole subplot, I guess, subplot subplot to me.
8: The B plot. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah, the they were experimenting on the old people at Shady Pines. With nanobots, it was like government experiments. We brought
5: in RISE Pharmaceuticals.
8: Oh, fantastic. (laughs) We needed a nefarious company. I'm like, why not just use RISE for all of your Mm -hmm. nefarious needs? And yeah, it was great. That's the new tagline. Yeah, we had a a fun little fall festival. A woman went crazy.
5: It wasn't because I pushed her too hard, I promise. Well, she was was one of the early experiments of nanobots Mm -hmm. and ended up with nigh super strength and mania. Because she had an emotional breakdown. It was
8: very cocoon meets disturbing behavior. Yes. Yeah. It was delightful. It's a great system. It's a great... I don't want to say the word hack. What's the word? Skin. It's a great skin of Tales for the Loop. It really, really works really, really well. And I had a great time. Yay! They liked
5: it! I also did incorporate my favorite Free League mechanic is the stress mechanic from Alien. And I was like, yeah, old folks on an adventure are going to get stressed out. Is like, it, is it nap? Yeah, like, <laughs> well, that's the, you know, that's one of the ways they can clear how stress mu- and conditions. How much nap do you need? Just please t- take a break. Just <laughs> that's a thing. But I just love that stress mechanic of like, as you get a little stressed, you get extra dice. So because stress actually does kind of sharpen the human, right? If you're a little worried, Allegedly. you're focused a little more and you know, but. It can also lead to catastrophic failure, which is just delightful. I love the mechanics. So I was like, yes, let's add that. I want more of that. And then, yeah, I didn't have any catastrophic failures, though. I was a little sad about that. No, but the judge almost. Yeah, he got. Oh, he was man. rolling so bad. Game. He's like, here, I'm going to roll nine dice. I got no sixes. I think he rolled a success maybe twice, like twice in the, the whole The entire game. game. Yeah like
8: oh my dude i believe in you please (laughs) please keep trying at
4: that
5: point stop
8: believing
5: (laughs) (laughs) please stop believing (laughs) come on don't roll anymore that was really bad sorry it's okay no uh... (laughs) one (laughs) saw oh i'm just talking to myself i'm here (laughs) hi everybody all right awesome
1: other saturday morning stuff yes yeah okay
5: Ready go.
2: Um,
1: we, can we can't sit down
2: anymore. Oh, why not? Because we're just little heads
8: when we sit down. That's cute. We're oh. like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. me, 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 meep, me, 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 me,
9: So I played For the Queen and I'd never played it before. And I had two other players that had never played it before. And there was five of us total. And we ended up playing two games. And it's a stinking fun game. Yeah. I would like, I'd love a little more prompts because when we played it again, we just shuffled the cards we didn't get to. And it was really fun. Our first adventure was <laughs> we ended up being space queen mm. escorts. And we went yes. to Mars and we went to Mercury. And there was a war between Mars and Mercury. And we had representatives from both planets. And I was the guy that uh, stole from the, the Grenfell goblins. And I stole their soup. And the queen actually liked the soup. And that's the only reason I was along because Whoa. I had the soup recipe, but I was a little lowly guy and I just put it in a little barrel, but I had run, I only had like two more servings of soup. Somehow and you chef, lost me. Yeah. <laughs> but so the chef, the chef was the guy that's in, like the royal chef, like was stealing my soup. So he'd give it to the queen. And that was the only reason I was there. And we ended up defending the queen in that one. And she was a total evil bitch. And she was like sucking the magic from one of the other players for her immortality and stuff. And then the next game. Wait, tell me more about this space queen escort agency.
8: Yeah. um, You say sucking immortality. Like it's a
9: bad thing. Yes, exactly. But I mean, it was coming off one of the, okay. and, And that person was from Pluto. So, That's not a planet no, they don't count. No, they are not in the people? Game. You can still come yes. from there. A dwarf planet is Trust still me. a planet. Yes. A
2: planet.
8: Are you saying a planet is a planet no matter how small?
9: Yes. yes. <laughs>
7: this is six
5: inches. <laughs> nope. When the when the wildlife game inspector comes, yes.
0: <laughs> this
5: um,
9: is my any. And then. <laughs> <laughs> we all just are going, is this okay, big. Okay, <laughs> so then the other character, the other new player, he was playing one of the Grenfell goblins, but he had a human meat suit that he was wearing. Oh. So that was totally awesome. And, your suit? Yeah, it totally Take was. And we were just thinking like right out of Men in Black. You know, it was just awesome sci-fi suit. And then so our next game soup. went Fantasy World, and I was all... Hating the queen because she had killed my people and I was a slave, and then we were on the the thing to take her somewhere, and she was meeting the dragon, and I wanted the dragon to eat her, and so she was playing a fae that was glamoured to look all hot and young, and then we had our other player, she was still getting her magic sucked out of her, but it was for teleportation purposes instead of immortality this time, and then the other one was playing her daughter, but she was a bitch to her daughter, and then. The other guy, he ended up. Oh, his lover got killed by the queen, and then the other person was supporting the queen the whole time, and she didn't know that the queen was a fae. So, but my character <laughs> knew that the guy that the queen was mer- meeting was a dragon. So I never told anybody. So we just pushed them right into together, and so at the end, we all not defended the queen, and she got eaten by a dragon. Hey. I sounds a like dragon. she deserved it. Yes. <laughs> So, but it was, it's a fun little <laughs> chit chat, spend an hour game, you know, <laughs> I would love to try it with a class, oh, wow. uh-uh. but that's I'm too not, much. Yeah. You've dug I, too greedily and too deep. <laughs> yeah. Do you want ball rogs? Cause that's how you get ball rogs. Ball rogs. <laughs> yeah. Cause I'm, Hey, if I can get my kids away from their phones, yeah. even for like a couple minutes, I think it's a win. So if I can just all of them, I'm going to run around get you guys all answer questions about who the queen is, and they're going to be, what the fuck's a queen? It's like, yeah, you guys don't even know who Prince is, so. (laughs) Um, That happened this week. We introduced our students to Prince. Okay, anyway. Cue the video montage
5: of my hair growing out like the end of Raiders. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um,
1: (laughs) You should check out, there are a bunch of hacks for the queen. Some of them are about like, or like, things in orbit. And so you should see if there's like a computer or AI based one. We're like together as a class, you do something that's based on computer stuff since you teach computer stuff. All right. Saturday morning. Okay. Yeah, you can come up. Right I wanted there to be space between the awkwardness that was the gushing, And the... so what did you play?
7: You're not going to ask me who I am first or, oh, yeah, yeah. and what I did.
1: <laughs> Please tell us who you are, even though we already know and what makes you famous. Wait,
7: wait, wait, wait. I'm Brian Susskind. I, I work for Cobalt Press.
1: How many anys do you have?
7: I have two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to clarify, Brian, is that more or less than one? I believe, uh, Jason, that is uh, more than one. But oh, I will say that I only have two silver, which made me only equals one gold. So oh, I think Kimmy's technically uh, okay. still ahead. Okay. Yeah. A tie. It's tie. A tie. Yeah. Yeah. But she's cuter than me, so I think I'll give it to her. Yeah. yeah well, I mean, we knew that. I think
1: that depends on who you're asking.
7: <laughs> it's fair. <No>. It's the... <laughs> we asked Matt. Apparently, oh, I played a game called Starscape, which is made by, uh, who is it made by? It's made by you. You made that. And it's a, it was actually, it's a Powered by the Apocalypse game where you play various sci-fi tropes, like Star Trek, you don't call it that, but it's basically Star Trek, uh, I almost said Planescape. (laughs) Firefly, Farscape, and it went great. I mean, first of all, it was great because there was a girl who was playing the game it was her first role-playing game ever. Which was great fun, and she was amazing. And she played a she played a fungus, like alien fungi creature, and like and she was like, "Can I play this?" And we
4: and the we
7: now? <laughs> no 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 it was like full size like alien fungi, and we and she said, like, "Can I play this?" And we all went, "Uh huh, Yep, please, yeah. please, please <laughs> play that." <laughs> so we had a uh, decided that like a lot of Power by the like Apocalypse games, we decided yeah decide what kind of ship you were on and what the crew was, and we decided that we were all there various tropes, like there was the, uh, the hotshot and the rebel, and, the, and I was playing the outsider because I was a crab spider who was really just in it to not understand things. I think it was really my main goal. Yeah. 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 So we were just trying, I had apparently made a deal with some guy, I, and I really just threw this out, kind of like, well, like, what's our job? I was like, well, I made a deal already. Yeah. Yeah. And I made a deal for a shady guy named Warlord Voss who wanted us to move some crates, and we, we were not to open them. It's somebody, and I said he was, he was very, very, like, he said, he said he was very believable. Is somebody whose first name is Warlord shady or have they said exactly who they are? <laughs> he, he said he was trustworthy and I believed him. Yeah. Yeah. It turned out there was, they were smuggling like dangerous bio creatures. And, and oddly, then they double crossed us. I, am I was shocked. shocked. Shocking right? I mean, outrageous. he said he was trustworthy. If you can't believe someone who says they're trustworthy, I mean, really what the space coming to, but highly recommend if you ever get a chance to play Starscape when, when Kimmy finishes the game and puts it out on Kickstarter for everybody to own, <laughs> definitely get it. Cause you know, you can get it before it wins an any, so you can like pre-buy it for any two, but no, it was a great game. Highly recommend it. <laughs> just when you thought it was safe to go back to Gen Con. <laughs> <laughs> any, two. any two. Starscape. Starscape.
5: <laughs> the golden lassoing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
1: it was actually, it was fantastic to run it. I have run it so much for people who are already familiar with it. It was really fascinating because running it for two people who had never played Powered by the Apocalypse, one of whom had never played any role-playing game. And she was like vaguely familiar because her, her dad plays a lot of games and has played with us before. And then Daniel, who's played it a bunch of times and is, like, very into PBTA. And then you, who's, like, literally a game, like, designer. So it was a very interesting table. And it was neat to see how it worked with people who are very familiar with the system and people who weren't. So that was cool to see that the mechanics kind of worked for both people, for both yeah. groups. Yeah. Well, and and just understanding, like, the flow of the mechanics and the sheets. Like, can they figure out what they're able to do? Like, the very basic premise of do a thing. and like seeing if they're able to figure out if they, like based on what's on the sheets, whether they can actually think of something to do.
7: One of my favorite parts is we got really into discussing what we were doing. And at one point, Kimmy just looks at us and goes, do I even, do I even need to be here? Yeah. I could just, I might go get a sandwich or something. I mean.
1: Always good when that happens.
9: Yeah, two D&D players, right? <laughs> do you had the two D&D players?
1: That was in the afternoon. I ran it again in the afternoon. It is okay. I mean, it, like I'm going to kind of tell about both because yeah. since none of the players from the second game are here too, and it was interesting. I played it. Yeah, no, that's fine. Well, I'm going to ask you a question in a second. Uh, so we'll keep talking about it. But yeah, it had a very similar table where like about half the, the table had played PBTA before because they ran it in games on demand. So you never know who you're going to get there. That was a table for six players. So it was kind of big. And it was sort of the same dynamic where like the PBTA people like immediately recognized like how they were going to play. And it took a little time, but like everyone else kind of figured it out as it went. Like it seems like most of the mechanics are most of the way there, which is very exciting for me. Because it's like when you've had people, many of whom are sitting at the table behind me, who literally have been forced to play it like every other week for like three years almost. <laughs> like they're like, "Oh yeah, we love this game," but uh, I love, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's one of those things right, where it's right. like, no matter what, I change the mechanics to at this point, they have such a foundational knowledge that they're gonna roll with it and it's gonna make sense in their brains most of the time. So it's neat to see how people who have never seen it before are able to grasp the concepts and the core of it too. So like. You've played a bunch of different games. What are some of the, the like mechanical things that you liked about it?
2: What was so amazing about the no, game, no, no, Brian? No, no,
3: no, no. <laughs> but,
1: uh, like, I mean,
7: well, first of all, it was made by Golden Annie Award-winning <laughs> game designer Kimmy. So that alone made it amazing. No, I think um, the the three rules that really stood out for me was the teamwork and the the assist thing that would because with the teamwork is great because you. You basically almost are wagering your trust, which is a, at first, you know, I thought trust was just sort of a, oh, this is just how you relate to other people. But it's like a resource that you can spend, either spend it to help someone else. But with this teamwork mechanic, you actually, it's almost like a 5e skill challenge where everybody's involved doing different, different, possibly different things to try to get something done. And you're wagering your trust. And if you pull it off, everybody gets rewarded. And if you don't, everybody loses. And so it's sort of, it's great because it's everybody's invested in getting it done. And sometimes that's the hardest thing in game design is like, you got the spotlight on one person who's like, yes, I'm going to make these series of checks or I'm going to do this thing. And everybody's like, you go for it. Let me we'll know be, when it's my turn. Yeah, we'll be over here. Yeah. But with that, with the teamwork thing, it was great because we were all, especially because we did it a couple of times and we were all like, like throwing ideas out and everybody was really in, invested in getting, in having it work. I mean, for me, I really liked how the, the backgrounds applied to all the, like, all the, because, the, you know, I, I'm not as familiar with Powered by the Apocalypse because I mainly, mainly designed 5e, but the, all the basic moves, it was great how the backgrounds affected it. And even the trust affected it. Because, like, at one point, one of the characters had zero trust. And she's like, well, I, I guess I can't do this thing then. And, and then people would do, like, oh, no, do this. And, like, they would got, got her back onto positive trust again. And so it was, it was, the back and forth was really cool. I like that a lot. When you have a game that's designed by Golden any Award winner
0: Kimmy, <laughs> so,
8: I I do have a question from a game design standpoint, Kimmy. Maybe yeah. you can answer.
1: Okay, maybe I don't. Yep. Know.
8: Do you find it beneficial to have the ability scores on the character sheet? Listen.
1: <laughs> you mean you mean the stats that need to be referenced often? It was yes. a fucking formatting um,
5: error. <laughs> No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I am a hundred percent for everything I've ever submitted. I am successful. <laughs> You've worn. One. Mm-hmm. You've yeah. I have. I have held just as many as Kimmy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thanks, Dave. All right yeah. Uh, uh, right. yeah. Well. Nobody can hear you. So real yes. quick, I would like to point out one thing. Okay. You played a game with a bunch of people that didn't know each other, really, at the table. Yeah. And they end up helping somebody that had lost trust. And I've played this game with a bunch of very close (laughs) friends a dozen times, and not a single time has anyone ever been like, oh, Dave, oh, you're real low on trust. Let's help you out. No, it's like, oh, that guy's fucking sinister. (laughs) You don't get near him. He's going to touch you or something.
4: Very bad. That's the problem. Familiarity breeds contempt. So So I have a question about my favorite mechanic that you put into this game. How did the technobabble go?
1: It's very good. And everyone still loves the technobabble table. Although my 5e friends from the afternoon have like notes on it, (laughs) which I was like, okay, cool. Yeah.
2: Can you talk a little bit about the journey mechanic?
1: Oh, yes. So I recently ran a Award-nominated actual play.
2: <laughs> Sorry, I'm so. I'm just.
1: I promise, I'm just joking. But yeah, with this awesome T-shirt that is that, behind me, that is unreadable that on the internet. Friendship may change your fate. Yes, and uh, it was from Free League. It was the the One Ring, and it was our the Unsung Tales. And I honestly sat down. And I've talked about this before on the podcast, and I was like ready to like be- grin and bear this crunchy system. I ended up loving it so much. And one of the things I thought I would hate, but I ended up loving, was this journey mechanic that really, really captured the feeling of these long journeys that are in a lot of Tolkien's works. So I um, very heavily borrowed from that piece oh, and added geez. it. Thematically <laughs> similar, yet equally <completely> distinct. <laughs> yes, very, very thematically similar. Obviously, it's changed because you can't have the same things happen on a journey table for Middle Earth than space. We're Not traveling through is. space and we encounter a friendly elf. yes. <laughs> Have a charming conversation. No, uh,
8: I'm sitting right here, Dave. <laughs> yes. Oh, you said friendly.
1: <laughs> and I actually, because one of the things that a lot of space games kind of brush over is these long, these long journeys that you do, these long travels between spaces. Even if you have light speed, you're going like such big distances. It's like, okay, and you're in the ship for about five days. Does anyone want to do anything? No. Okay, we're gonna move on. So. It's broken down so you figure out how many weeks the journey is or how many days or whatever and you roll on the table. And the table tells you what happens. And based on the die, if there's a if there's pairs or matches and then the die, then you make sure something good happens. And then if you didn't roll any any matching pairs, I'm not gonna say doubles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Gain a thread. Then like the more negative thing happens. So as you go through, and it's all kind of very much. In the vein of One Ring, it's very nebulous. The players get to come up with what happened. We didn't use it in the first session, but I used it in the afternoon session because I was like, "God damn it, we're gonna use this mechanic I just made." And it was a little forced, but that's fine. They liked it. So basically, that's what happened? Fair. What? Never mind. <laughs> I asked first. It was fine. They said yes. So as we're um-
2: <laughs> coerced consent, it's not consent. <laughs> <Right>
1: Accurate. <back here. laughs> they wanted my tables. Okay. So it's, it's general things like, like a great misfortune happens. And then, so the player then gets to describe and add to the narrative what happens. Some of the numbers like trigger moves, like some of them trigger confront moves, which is one of the things on the...
5: the Dave used (laughs) all the hot water. (laughs) It was fine. They wanted my tables.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And one of the players was, it's like something is someone's doing something that's really annoying to you and it's been happening for days now. What is it? And then you know, you have to confront them about it. And one of the players like literally was like another character was picking their nails on the spaceship and it just bugged the shit. out. So they were like, it was a confront move and that like triggered the other person's confront move. So it made a big like fight out of it. And one of them got what they wanted out of the argument. The other didn't. So they were upset and they marked a condition and it like was this great little domino effect. Like i kind of was hoping would work. So it was great to see that actually happen in practice. So I'm really excited about I think the journey table still needs to be refined a little bit in playtest, but I'm excited about what it's added to the the system so far because it's added planned elements to those long journeys that deepen those connections and conflicts
5: between the characters.
1: Thank you for that prompt, Jason.
5: <laughs> All right.
2: I really like it. How,
5: yeah. did, how did Assist work?
1: Assist is still the same. You do have to wager a trust to do it now, though. Oh, good. Oh, good. So, yeah, 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 yeah. So, which I think was added after the first session today. Yeah, at the end of the first session, I loved it so much. I literally went and typed it in before I ran it again in the afternoon. Yay, business center in the hotel. So basically, you wager a trust now. So if you're helping, you, you put your trust in, the like, you're betting it. If you succeed in helping them, you get it back. If you don't, then you lose that trust. Mm, so mm-hmm. if it's like you failed in helping them, then obviously they lose a little bit of trust in you.
5: And you're less likely to... That's a great bit on them again. for trusted characters.
1: Yeah. And if you have no trust, no one's going to accept your help. Like, that's like a very in-theme thing.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Dave, have you thought about um having trust? Yeah. No, no.
5: I just need to tell Kimmy that she needs to make the solo play rules. <laughs> because I trust myself. <laughs>
1: Only and myself. that's why
5: none of us trust you jesus christ so i
1: right. have no family
2: <laughs> okay good job dave you don't have to project into the microphone <laughs> sorry i'm
8: sorry was it i was, that was me. i
1: was, that I was reasonable okay <laughs> all right i think that's it and i ta- kind of talked about the saturday evening game it also went really well i do have to give a shout out to ashley who was our 14-year-old who played their, her first-ever RPG today, I was very excited that she picked Starscape. Yee-hoo! So They actually stopped by at the big, very beginning of the podcast, but they didn't, couldn't stick around for the whole thing because they'd signed up for another game. And then after that, she jumped into Hero System.
2: Oh boy. Ooh. And she's still
1: here, so good on her.
2: Yeah. I mean, she's not old
5: enough to drive away. So no, that's true. <laughs> well, that's also the like a supreme level of like bracketing. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. okay, here's one end of a spectrum. Here's the far other end of the spectrum. Now you've seen the breadth of RPGs. Yeah. Okay.
2: So I don't mean this as a total setup question, okay. but but like I remember the moment where like demigods was somebody's first RPG. Uh-huh. Right. And I was like, Oh, that could happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, has this happened before? Like, what was the experience like?
1: It has not happened before to my knowledge. I've had Decima be people's first RPG, but it's not really an RPG. It's like more of a world building tool. So it's a little bit of a different. It's experience.
2: more like the R&D, R&D yeah, for your for RPG. RPG yeah. yeah.
1: That's an amazing tagline. Good job, Jason. <laughs> I
2: it, wanted it to be the game before the game, but nobody wanted that. So I like this one better.
1: But <laughs> I was panicked, honestly, at first a little bit. And especially because I've sort of been like, oh, man, the character sheets are still like... And I was just like, oh, my God, how do I explain everything about how you do a role-playing game? Mm-hmm. And how is it on the page? And for the most part, like, just about everything worked. And, I mean, she's also, like, an incredibly intelligent... Like, she's taken, like, eight AP classes or something as a freshman. I was like,
2: she, "Okay, Phew. well, I So I had a little bit of a leg up there.
1: <laughs> so uh, geniuses can figure out my game perfectly the first time. <laughs> no problem. It should be great.
2: So if you don't get it, really, it's on you. <laughs>
8: That's not what I'm saying. I mean, I have it on good authority that Geniuses playtested it, so... (laughs) At least one. At
1: least one. Um, When was
2: that? (laughs) (laughs) That was better than what I did. I've been cheating on you. I'm sorry, (laughs) Adam. From the audience, it was, I thought she only playtested with us, and that was better than what Joey and and I said.
1: (laughs) I do think that it was interesting. I think it might have actually helped in some ways because... I've played it a lot with people who haven't played PBTA before, and it's been harder to kind of get them to leave behind with the, their preconceived notions. Whoa. Yeah. And she was coming to it completely fresh. So she's like, how do I do everything? And you're like, you do this. And that made perfect sense to her. No part of her was trying to, but in this system, it's this. So what about, what about armor class? Like, I don't understand. Like what happens if I'm wearing armor? How does Explain that change things? the grapple
3: rule. Yeah.
1: Like none of, there was none of that with her. So she like walked up and she was like, can I play a human-sized mushroom fungi? And like yes, yes, you, uh,
2: yes you can. Is <laughs> yeah. the only I told
5: you I'd make that, that joke again. What and did it you was,
1: say? The, the fun guy
5: joke.
1: Oh. yeah, it shouldn't, it does not serve to be heard. yeah. And the cool thing was she was playing The Gifted, which has a little bit of like sensory mind control, telepathy, or and she made it so it was like the the pheromones. So she wasn't mm. really reading people's minds, but because so like she was a spores. fungi she was so sensitive to the changes around her that she was, like, able to read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she, she's able to, like, read everyone's emotions and thoughts and feelings based on, like, the hormones in their systems and what it was putting out. An
2: extremely sophisticated character development. Isn't
1: that fucking cool? <laughs> I did. So I got to play the ship AI, and I got to use the NPC captain thing, which we, have, yeah. we never actually tried it because it was just, like, a wild ride. But it was very cool because the the ship had a a sentient AI who was very angry and did not like the crew and sometimes acted out on it, which is something they came up with. So I didn't have to like... What
2: what was the AI's reason to not just open the airlocks?
1: (laughs) It it needed a little bit of help with the things in the ship. Oh, yeah. So it's like, mm. but they honestly thought that might have been what happened to the last crew. Uh,
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> they don't really mention it out loud, though. Yeah. And there would be moments where she would get angry at at different people and like the mushroom who like had very sophisticated, like scent and actually had a very good rapport with the AI, like would feel like the air pressure lesson <laughs> in the room. But nobody else would know that. It
2: was like the AI's frown. Yeah. It was like, like mm. <sighs>
1: okay, don't kill them now. Okay. Yeah.
4: Uh, on a scale, on a scale from Marvin the Paranoid Android to Hal Nine Thousand, Cl- closer
1: to Hal. Closer to Hal. Yeah. 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 More like, like sort of in the middle. Very kind. I will absolutely take care of that for you. Ah, and then the air pressure just slowly is dropping. The mushroom's like, you might want to apologize to her.
10: You have my enemy.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. One time they were talking about putting out her speakers. It did not go well for them. <laughs> so anyway, it was a very neat experience. And I think it was a vital piece of the play test. I think everyone who ever makes a game should try and run it for somebody who's never played any RPG. Yeah. Because it is definitely a great stress test of your layout, of how you have described the mechanics, of how clear things are done. Yeah. And there were definitely some notes. I was like, defi- every time she was asking questions, I was like circling and writing stuff. Because sometimes it was stuff like she didn't realize that oh that's the name of a move like when you blah 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 and she was like I don't under- like when I do this. It's like dramatic, right? Yeah, it's like well no this is the name of one of the moves like, oh okay I get it and like it was so it was great to see like what places I need to clarify things and make and streamline things that way.
5: Cool. So, yeah. Okay. That's another. I, that. I also like how oh. this has inspired your next game, Get Good, the RPG.
0: <laughs> <laughs> get Good. <laughs>
5: just be better be like a really smart 14 year old
2: (laughs) don't be like you just please (laughs) i thought that this sounds like more like joey's rpg (laughs) (laughs) no notes (laughs) it writes itself
8: (laughs) all right
1: amazing anyone else have a saturday afternoon or evening You don't have to introduce yourself. We know who you are, Adam. Oh, my gosh.
10: Do you? Oh, I'm sorry. Who is this incredibly beautiful Um, being? Hi, I'm Adam, and I'm famous because I am often on the Happy Jacks RPG Network (laughs) doing the podcast. Anyway, so I did something that was slightly terrifying this afternoon. I went and played D&D 5e Adventurers League. So... And I know often on Happy Jacks, we disparage D&D a lot. I'm one of the outliers who actually still loves D&D. So, but yeah, I was really kind of feeling my introvert this weekend. And I was like, I'm not signing up for a game. I may or may not play. I'm just going to like vape and draw and shit. And, but Jason was like, I'm going to go do Adventurers League. And I kind of liked it last time I did it. And, and so there was an extra spot at his table. So I went and played adventures league and it, it was really fun. It was just so chill. And like, I don't
2: have to think there was basically no role playing done at the yeah, table, yeah. but it was just a mad
10: sprint through this like yeah. book adventure. <laughs> yeah. There was no time spent. There was just like, Nope, go in. There's the bad guy. Kill it. Get the, get the MacGuffin, go back fight more things on the way back i i I do just
2: want to add in my experience at al all three times is about and hearing some of the other tables there it sounds like it's roughly a 50 50 chance Mm -hmm. like you might get a role play gm and you might get a speed gm yeah Uh, yeah and we had a speed
10: gm yeah we definitely have a had a speed gm but but we also we had a really good table it was like three other people with us. I think there were a family. And, and yeah. that's the part that I thought would be a fluke and has happened three times in yeah. a row. Yeah, yeah. Because that's what I had always been concerned about doing Adventures League. Like it's going to be a bunch of power gamer, edge lord assholes. And like, I have no interest in that. If I'm going to play D and have plenty of amazing, wonderful people that I can play that with, and so Except
2: <laughs> so none of them want to play D and D. I yeah.
10: know, right? Yeah. The, the so, famous yeah. "stop talking to my experience points." Yeah. Right. Exactly. Experience, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like, we didn't even—he didn't even ask us if we wanted to talk to our experience points. Really, it was just like, no, okay, all right. We did actually like bypass the very first fight because yeah. I rolled a nat twenty on my persuasion roll. Yep. <laughs>
2: and so, then walked immediately into a fight that was just triggered from us being there. No matter what, uh-huh, guess, yeah, like, yeah, whatever. Yeah,
10: but it was like, but we had these three other people. They were really chill. They were fun. They were nice, and they were, and like they were just playing their game. They weren't like it was also uh, mom and dad and daughter. Yeah, which was yeah. sweet. Yeah, like, it was really cool. Yeah, so so yeah, it was it was just this. Very fun, low-key moment. No stakes. Uh, yeah, no stakes. And It was a, a surprisingly delightful experience from something that I was prepared to be horrible. And so... Oh, yes, and like,
2: and I just want to point out this experience was you, your character died at one point a little oh, bit. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. I had to do a death save. It got better. They I got failed. better. My character almost died. Yeah. Like, and we were just playing the game and like, It didn't feel bad. No, no, it didn't. Yeah. Yeah. And no one was like, oh, my God, these idiots who don't know how to play D&D. Yeah. 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 I did forget a bunch
10: of my rules sometimes. Like, I was like. No, everybody was very chill about it. Like, So we had two paladins, two fighters, and a wizard who was like a 12-year-old girl. (laughs) Yeah. that, That was our party. It was a little weird, but we just ran in and killed things with our weapons. I and mean, then... what
2: can't you do with two paladins?
10: I know, right? Yeah, well, I I still died. Pick a uh-huh. lock. <laughs> right. Yeah. You don't need to. Yeah. You, right? Sneak. You can, right. you can pick a lot of locks with a giant flaming sword. I'm just yeah. going to say. <laughs> but yeah, so it was, the moral of the story for me was it's, it, like you might be scared to go do something like this but it was actually a lot of fun and and if it had gone poorly like who cares like it was yeah, it, it was fine so yeah that was kind of my uh, experience this weekend yeah Wee-hoo! i'm going to take this since i don't have an uni.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yet all right awesome anyone else anything
8: kinda so kind of the really, not the opposite experience that adam had but oh, no. i i signed up for a game Earlier tonight. I'm not getting into the details, but I it was a little iffy about it. And I was like, you know, just, you know, it's a con game. We'll see how it goes. And when I signed up for it, I did not realize that it was an eight person table nope. and did not realize because I went to the room and I was like, OK, well, there's a very table I'm glad I'm not a part of. But I'm just waiting for my party to get here. Turns out the tables were reversed. I'm like, oh, that is the table I'm supposed to be at. Yeah, I don't think so. I'm I'm not digging this vibe and that was fine. So, you don't have to go to the games you're assigned to that you signed up for. If you don't like the vibe, just dip. It's fine. Yeah. It's nothing. No
5: harm done. You get to play a great game instead. That's my favorite sort of mechanic that Tomes uses in his games on demand thing is yeah. the open door policy yeah. of yeah. games. Like, and it's, You get to a game and you start the even if you start the game and you're like this is just not my jam. Nobody's going to judge you if you're like, hey, this isn't my jam. Thanks for the time. See you later. Good luck. Have fun. Uh, like, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Right? Nobody wants to play with a player that feels guilted to be there. Yeah. yeah. And is right? just having a miserable time. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're not having fun, move on and find your fun. It's great. I dig it. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Snips. All right. Awesome. That was right.
5: weirdly <laughs> serious for
2: me. I'm sorry. No, it's good. No, that was... <laughs> You're allowed to be You're sincere. To, yeah. No. <laughs> I mean, not anymore. You used it, but like... Yeah, yeah it's, that's it. That's my
8: once this year. Yeah. Bye, all everybody. Right. Quick, save yourself. Talk about the crab singer.
1: No, no, no. Okay, we're going. Uh, <laughs> all right. Thank you for joining us for Happy Jacks RPG Podcast live from Gateway 2023. My name is Kimmy.
8: I'm Jason. I am Bill slash
5: Joey. And I am Kade. <laughs>
1: And this is our live studio audience. You. And uh, we will see you next week. And we're headed to the bar. So bye. Thank you all. Bye.
2: And I'll see you on
5: Tuesday, Tuesday. with Joey.
1: For uh, Blade Runner.
2: Woo! Yes. Thank you yeah. to our mods and Patreon support. Here is yes. our Patreon we page. We love you. Thank you. Bye. bye.
1: Is a product of the Happy Jacks RPG Network. The Mary Sue's performed our intro music, and our ending song was played with the express permission of the artist. Visit happyjacks.org for more information and to find all our streams and podcasts.